1: Learn more at marines.com
2: Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in
3: Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug state the Barry, Stephen Means. We just watched practice. We are getting this to you later on Tuesday. It's the Tuesday pod because spring practice started for Ohio State at 830 on Tuesday morning. We got to watch about the first 20 minutes. Then we talked with Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and all three quarterbacks mostly Devin Brown and Kyle McCord, but the other guy too, who got asked a question like, hey, do you think you might win the job? He's literally a seventh-year college player who has said he's here because he wants to be a coach. We don't have to ask him that, okay? So we can stop asking him that. It's Devin Brown versus Kyle McCord. We are going to do offense on this Tuesday pod. Come back Wednesday morning and we'll tell you everything Jim Knowles said, everything we learned, looking at the defensive side of the ball, but we're breaking it up We're trying to get it to you as fast as we can on Tuesday. And we are going to start with the quarterbacks. Nathan Baird, you watch the quarterbacks primarily in the open window that we saw. Who's going to win the job? No, that's funny. I thought it was Tony Gerdeman, who is a funny fella. Mm-hmm. Everybody listening to this knows Gerd, who covers, who's covered Ohio State for a long time. Asked Jim Knowles, like, hey, what do you think of the quarterback battle? And they said, who will win the job or whatever? It was, it was who's hilarious. Your yeah, yeah. Who's your pick to win the job? He asked the defensive coordinator on the first day of spring practice. Totally joking. Jim Knowles thought it was funny. The whole room cracked up. Who's your pick to win the job, Nathan? I don't actually mean that. What did you learn from watching these guys practice?
2: So, yeah, it, it, make sure we like give the lay of the land to people here a little bit. We saw four periods totaling about 30 minutes. They ran through, I don't know, several several drills, and each of them were getting, you know, two reps, or one one or two reps at those. You know, McCord was generally the first one through the reps. Brown was the first one through some of those reps. Which also gives you some insight sometimes into like, well, hey, I took I took reps with the ones, too. Well, like, does that mean that you were first through the line in the handoff reps? Because it doesn't really mean a whole lot. But I, that's not what they mean usually when they say that. Um, I mean, I, mostly I think a crisp day for those guys. I did not see the ball on the ground in McCord's reps. There was uh, one pass that Brown threw that, was, that really sailed uh, high from its intended target. I think you may have even heard me exclaim like, whoa, when he threw it on the video I was taking, if people go to our YouTube channel and watch the video I put out of of the quarterbacks, some of those drills. And there was one other one where, that got away from him and he kind of like slapped his hands like like he wanted it back. And I think that was a little bit of a glimpse into, it's only the first day of spring, but the competition has started and these guys don't have to be perfect, but I think they feel the um, urgency to be strong and the urgency that that uh, the winner of this competition is going to be the guy who can run this offense cleanly and efficiently so Devin Brown was talking about
3: that and said like it is open so right that it's it's and I think Nathan what you're saying here I think confirms that because Devin Brown was saying that yeah you know I'm with, with the one sometimes it's I don't I think that What we saw, Nathan, again, we divided it up. Steven watched the defense. I watched the non-quarterback offense. Nathan watched the quarterback. So we're leaning on Nathan here for the quarterback breakdown. You could come into this with Kyle McCord as the backup a year ago. Kyle McCord has started a game in his college career. Kyle McCord is a year older. And Kyle McCord's first. And Devin Brown's second. And it's a battle but it starts off with Kyle McCord first and Devin Brown second and i don't think that's what it is it seems like they are being treated mostly equally in this competition is that what your eyes that's what you're saying your eyes told you nathan
2: yeah exactly and i think some of this falls into that old category of hey it's the spring especially first day of spring like it doesn't mean Nothing. It just doesn't mean everything. So Kyle McCord leading a lot of the drills means probably a little something, a nod to the fact that he's been here three years and was the, and somebody's got to go first. Uh, So make of it what you will. But, you know, he, there was a drill, one of the first drills where they were like actually taking a shotgun snap and throwing a pass downfield, which there weren't a ton of those today it was common core throwing not to pass to Marvin Harrison. You get it like, Oh, okay. There's that first time we see that the spring. We'll see if we see it a bunch more this season, but then they, they flip it around and are going the other direction. And the next time through Devin Brown's first in the rotation, and he's the one throwing a pass to Marvin Harrison jr. And just it. So it, the, there does a, a decent amount of balance. And, um, it, again, getting equal reps, some of them getting reps with the other, the top receivers that are at least available right now. this spring because obviously a couple of them are out. Um, I, there was nothing that made you think that this was just going through the motions. It's it's a real competition.
3: Yeah, I I take a lot away from like who is where and what drill and who lines up where because yes, people have to line up, but also you don't see walk-ons going first in drills. Like there's a there's a meaning to it. So Steven, are we officially setting this foundation? Because here's here's the thing that we want to make clear: you can look on betting sites for Heisman odds. You can have outside people say, "Hey, we think that." People are going to win. Everybody on the outside who's, who has an opinion about the quarterback job is based on us and the people like us who cover Ohio State. So this, we are laying the foundation for this battle. So if the Heisman odds on DraftKings switch tomorrow, oh, Devin Brown's odds got a little better. Kyle McC- McCord's odds got a little worse. Don't read that as anything other than they listen to Buckeye talk. We are laying the foundation. And I think it. we need to be clear here, Stephen. Are we agreeing we are laying a foundation of an open, equal competition?
1: Yes. Based off of what the, both quarterbacks said, the way Day has talked about it, and then what Nathan saw on Tuesday. All that lines up to this is an equal. Both guys are coming into this starting at ground zero. Let's see who gets to 100 first.
3: Foundation laid. Adjust your Heisman odds accordingly. Let's start with Devin Brown. Only because we did a hundred minutes on Kyle McCord because Nathan did some deep reporting on Kyle McCord. We did a whole podcast on Kyle McCord. We all, I think were at both tables. So what they did, they, we had Ryan day for about 22, 25 minutes in the team meeting room. We had Jim Knowles for about 15, 17 minutes in the team meeting room. And then we went out to the practice field and they had two long tables set up there with Ohio state drapery, and Kyle McCord was at one, and Devin Brown was at the other, and they spoke simultaneously. And then Tristan Gebbia, who's 24, he's a seventh-year college player. We'll get to that. The seventh-year guy, he came out later. Devin Brown, Nathan, reminds me of a puppy. Maybe it's a little bit of the floppy hair, but he is like an enthusiastic, hey, I'm in a quarterback competition. Isn't this great? I'm at Ohio State. I'm in a quarterback competition. Football's cool. Not in a bad way. Not in a good way. Just in a... He does not seem like he is carrying any kind of burden of a quarterback competition right now. And we'll get to Kyle McCord in a second. Kyle McCord, I thought, and I was at Kyle McCord at the beginning, then I went to Devin Brown for the end of Devin Brown. I was probably at Brown a little bit more. It felt like, to me, Kyle McCord, is there's a little more seriousness of purpose. Maybe not a burden, but he feels like, He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm in a quarterback competition." And Devin Brown's like, "I'm in a quarterback competition." And it's not one is not better than the other, one is not worse than the other. But Devin Brown is like an interesting dude who just like feels like he's ready to go, Nathan, and I'm curious first blush. I'm curious how that might work through this competition cuz Devin Brown just feels like I'm ready to catch a frisbee. Let's do it.
2: Yeah, I I I 100% hear what you're saying and it it is a very interesting personality contrast between these guys. You're talking east coast against west coast or more or less west coast, I guess he was more out in the desert but closer to California, one guy closer to the east coast. And there is a different like a common cord from people I talked to when I re- reported that story, um, you know, kind of a a like a like a drier, smart-ass kind of sense of humor, whereas Devin Brown does just seem like a little bouncy. You're like, puppy is maybe good. At first, I bristled, but I think maybe that is an interesting analogy to make um, of someone who just has a different energy about him right now. And But let's face it, like, part of this competition, part of the discussion around this competition is what happens after the competition is decided, and for accord that it's a very different quarterback competition than it was the first time around, because he could lose the quarterback competition the first time around and still stick around for two years and be in position to have this competition again. This is, this is his last chance to win the starting quarterback job at Ohio state. And if he doesn't, it changes the direction of his career. So there is a little bit more at stake. I don't necessarily think what you saw today, I wouldn't go so far yet as to say, I read that a lot in his face. I think some of this is just the different personalities they have.
3: So, Again, I'm not, I, and again, I want to make it clear. I'm not, I, it's just, it's just you try to get observations of people. And it doesn't mean to, it doesn't mean that Devin Brown's too loose and Kyle McCord's too tight. It doesn't mean one's too serious and one's not serious enough. It's just, I do think it is more their natural personalities. But the other part of this, and I tried to ask Kyle McCord and Devin Brown the same question, which is basically give me like a 25 second description of yourself as a quarterback for if someone's never seen you before. And Steven, Devin Brown got to, running ability faster than Kyle McCord did in that description
4: yeah I mean I think I'm an athletic quarterback
1: Uh, obviously I'm not the greatest athlete I'm not no Justin Fields but I think I'm an in-between a Justin Fields and a CJ Stroud in terms of my play I feel like I can extend plays with my feet um, make guys miss but also I have the arm strength to make pretty much every throw on the field and I believe that with my whole heart there's not a throw on the field that I cannot make
3: and how, right now, how would you describe how you feel in the pocket, making reads, taking what's there, mm-hmm. and then how you feel out of the pocket when maybe something breaks down and you've got to make a play?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of something we talk with the coaches too, like getting out of the pocket early on. Like last year, I was just kind of so wiry and so juiced up. I was getting out of space and just trying to get something quick, where now having a year of experience and being able to work against the one defense and the speed of the game is slowing a lot down. You know, my knowledge for the offense has slowed down. My knowledge of the defense is slowed down. So being able to see things and make uh, quick decisions, but also knowing what's really going on has really helped. That's a shorthand
3: that I've used that phrase. It's a shorthand for the quarterback battle. We've said it a million times. I felt like they confirmed it and that if part of this battle is Devin Brown's just a little more mobile, a little more apt to use his legs, a little more comfortable with that. Not good, not bad, but different. It felt like Stephen. Maybe we got that
1: confirmed a little bit. Whether you know who else, Jim Knowles even confirmed it when he got at, when Gerd asked him about the court. Was, yeah, Devin's just he's running around out there while you know Kyle McCoy's is maybe just a little bit more. This is not direct quality, but just more polished in the pocket type of things, which. I think it goes into their personalities a little bit. Devin Brown's personality comes out in this game. You're talking about he's a puppy. Well, if he kind of plays like that, where it's a little bit more loose, it's a little bit more I'll get out of the pocket and create some stuff. You were even asking him some of the same stuff we were asking Justin Fields of that balance of when to do that playmaking stuff because you know it's going to pay off versus when you should throw the ball away and his day trying to get you to throw the ball away more often and all of that stuff. It's It's the running conversation because C.J. Stroud existed – is going to be so much more interesting, especially since that Georgia game happened. And Kyle McCord even said it. It's... He's watched it multiple times at this point. It's been a conversation. It was a conversation going into the Georgia game that they knew CJ was going to have to run more than he'd run literally in any other game since he'd been the Ohio State's quarterback. And there's almost not, it's not like the number one priority, but it is more of an emphasis of being able to use your legs in those games because you're not going to win those games against those types of teams unless you do it. And so it is something that, Devin Brown's probably just better at it right now, but it is something that regardless of who wins the court starting quarterback job, everybody in that room knows that it's something that, they ha- that has to be a part of their skill set.
3: So Kyle McCord, I thought, leaned in at times to sort of the C.J. Stroud line of thinking. He was talking about how much he learned from C.J. about reading
4: defenses and making the correct reads and that kind of thing. Um, I would just say a playmaker. Uh, whatever the team needs me to do to win, that's what I'm going to do. Um, obviously, I think that the film – Uh, will speak for itself but uh, at the end of the day just a competitor yeah I feel uh, great in the pocket Uh, this offseason I've really been trying to study some guys like Burrow, Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert and watching them uh, you know you turn on their tape uh, one thing about them in the pocket they're always on balance no matter you know what's going around them if they make like a quick sudden movement they're getting right back on platform so those things were really good to study and then come out and uh, get some reps in uh um, just like working out and stuff like that. And then, uh, in terms of getting outside the pocket, I think that's um, something I've always been pretty comfortable with uh, and something obviously I, I work at a lot. Um, so I think, you know, just the, the two of them and obviously getting the feel of, you know, when are you able to make a move in the pocket or when do you have to escape in the pocket? I think that's always, um, you know, something the more reps that, you know, you get better at.
3: And Devin Brown, this is like a direct quote, said, I'm kind of in between Justin Fields and CJ Stroud, which is, very. Discri- I, can we just make like a continuum of quarterbacks like here's the guy more over here and here's the guy well actually we could we're Buckeye talk we can do we could do whatever we want we probably should do that like here's like Braxton Miller and here's Dwayne Haskins and let's put ev- and it's that is basically a how much you rely on your legs versus how much you rely on your arms spectrum of Ohio State quarterbacking and what this is we're writing this down, right? We're writing this down.
1: This is a very interesting
3: can graphic. Can you guys, you guys know how to make a graph? Can we get a, uh, can we get honestly, like a, a website that makes it. a chart. We get a chart website. Yeah. So anyway, I think like, so actually we could, this could be, we could ask Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. We make the chart like with their heads. Here's Dwayne's head over here. Here's Braxton's heads over here. Here's JT Barrett. Here's Justin. Now here's CJ. Here's Joe Boserman. <laughs> put your head hey guys put your head in it where do you go on the spectrum so that that's very descriptive to me for Devin Brown to say that but again that's a little bit of a shorthand because I don't think Kyle McCord Nathan would say that as much I think Kyle McCord again that discussion is a little bit more just like hey reads figure out the defense bing bang boom smart diagnosed not that Devin Brown can't diagnose not that Kyle McCord can't run but Differences, we've got to, I think, Nathan, as we try to explain and set up this quarterback competition for the world, DraftKings Heisman odds, we know you're listening, DraftKings. We love you. Feel free to listen and take our information. That's what we're here for. I think we have to accentuate the differences, Nathan, while understanding they're both Ohio State quarterbacks. They're going to play how Ryan Day wants them to play. Ryan Day doesn't want Johnny Manziel, Right. But we have to accentuate the differences as we try to figure out what could potentially help decide
2: this battle. It's also one of those things too that will become most important when we see how the rest of this plays out too if if it 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 it's it, are you are you splitting hairs and making a decision one way or the other or not because the passing is is so dead even I guess at that point I still think this gets decided by passing and decision making and, and those things most prominently, but I thought it was Uh, telling that comma cord would say what that Georgia game told him toward the whole program about what quarterback play might need to be going forward, that they already had a sense of it going into that game, but that the ability to go in and not, he's not talking about the scrambling to me. He's talking about the touchdown pass going off platform, rolling out to the right. When you get flushed out and making that touchdown pass. Uh, I I think that is, and, and, and that is such a hard thing. Sometimes I think to quantify, um until you see it happen. So how are they how are they putting those guys in positions right now? Maybe not so much right now, but as we get farther into spring, um, competitive drills, how are you assessing that at that point? It did I did again to go back to the things that like doesn't mean nothing but doesn't mean everything. Uh the first things that the quarterbacks did today were rollout drills. Rolling out to their left and throwing on the run to the left. Um, There were like two or three drills like that, that's what they started the day with. So you got to see right away, Comichord and Devin Brown, both using their feet as passers. And that's obviously going to be a staple of this offense regardless.
3: Now, when Ryan Day was asked about the quarterback competition, first thing he said was leadership. And he talked about, he thought he heard both quarterbacks being loud out there, encouraging guys after good plays, trying to pick them up after bad plays. That's where he went first. This was also a quote from Ryan Day on Tuesday. I feel like we're going to have a great supporting cast. So, you know, the quarterback doesn't need to be superhuman. He just needs to do his job, make routine plays routinely, and then it'll build from there. So that is sort of like, I I don't care who could run. Like run, like what you're saying, Nathan, right? You think like, run the offense. Get the ball to Marvin. We're going to talk about Marvin in a second. Get the ball to Marvin. Do what we're supposed to do. And then everything else is a bonus. So I do think the deciding factor is who makes the routine plays routinely. If they are both making 95% of the routine plays routinely, now, okay. Now let's see. Maybe who's got a little something, something off platform. But I think, Stephen, we do. We don't want to get too caught up in some of this other stuff because making the routine plays routinely, that could be that, you know, they've got all the boards, all the sayings in the team room, you know, tough love and four to six, A to B. Make the routine plays routinely. That's Ryan, like, as much as. The, That's a lot of what Ryan Day wants. And I do think that's the number one thing here.
1: If Ryan Day has a tattoo, it's probably those words somewhere on his back because we've been hearing that since he got here. I I think – and when we're talking about any of this other stuff, it's almost – the way Kyle McCord even put it, he was putting emphasis on that Georgia game. You have to do this extra stuff to be that team on that stage. The first 12 get his first 11 weeks of the season. I mean, CJ's trial was great. The first 11 weeks of the season, for the most part, especially once he got rolling outside of not being healthy for that Oregon game, he just did normal stuff. And the weapons around him were so good that all he had to do was be normal. And they were probably going to have a good day offensively, especially that first year as a starter when it was him, Jackson Smith, the jig with Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson. Well. This starter is going to have Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, just do the normal stuff. And then once we get on that stage, of course, there is going to be a conversation of, hey, you're going to have to do a little bit more because what we have, they also have it too. But I agree with you guys. Winning the job is going to be who can do the routine stuff. Then if it's equal there, then maybe that's when you go to that next level of the conversation of, okay, both of these guys can do enough to win the first 11 weeks. Who's going to have the thing that we need that beats Michigan and beats Georgia and beats Alabama and on down the list?
3: So I want to make two distinctions here because I talk a certain way about the reality of a team as it exists. And I think sometimes it can be misperceived as that's how I think Ohio State in a vacuum should operate. And that applies to two things here. Last year, I thought, stop running the ball. Throw it 80 times a game. The running thing is not working. That doesn't mean I think Ohio State, as an offense in a perfect world, should never run the ball. I just thought they were getting in their own way with all the running back injuries and trying to be tough and all that stuff. That was a specific thing of the way that season unfolded. The quarterback running, I was done with that conversation because I never thought it was what C.J. Stroud did well. And I think in the end, when C.J. Stroud did it well against Georgia, it's because he had established for two years that he wasn't going to do it. And then he did it a little bit. He long conned him. I talk. That sounded weird. I didn't mean it. It didn't sound weird <laughs> until you said it sounded weird and I thought about it. No, but somebody's – Daddy, yeah. mommy, what does that – what did that man say? He executed a long con is what I said. So that doesn't mean I think in a vacuum a quarterback who can move a little bit isn't a good thing, Okay. So I just thought last year I don't want to talk about C.J. Stroud running it, and I don't want to talk about anybody running it. You have Marvin Harrison Jr., Ameka Buka, and C.J. Stroud, who, by the way, Dane Brugler just put at number one in his mock draft, not because he can run, because he can sling it. So I wanted to lay that down. Here's the reason that I wanted to lay that down. I was building. <laughs> I really threw myself off with that thing. That I said that I didn't mean to say because I was building up to a point here, and now I have completely lost the thread of what I was building up to. Let's take See, a this. This is why this we'll is be why, back on Buck why on You
2: can't win the quarterback battle because you get rattled, you've lost focus, you're mm, making mistakes, you got loose with you know, it, you're behind, you're the routine. You're, things you weren't just,
1: routine anymore.
2: Yeah. If
3: you just yelled, they should put over the loudspeaker. The thing that I just said, they should just blast on the speaker at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and see if the quarterbacks can work their way through without being distracted because the host of this podcast certainly cannot. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. We tried in the break to figure out what I was building up to and decided maybe I wasn't building up to anything. So Nathan, oh, there's two things they were building up to. I just remember, I remember two things. Nathan, there's I'm going to give thing you, you 60 said seconds I'm surprised to it explain. wasn't the
2: first thing we talked about.
3: No, I'm, I'm setting an alert right now. Tate Martell alert. Tate Martell alert. In 60 seconds, we're going to start talking about Tate Martell. But in the meantime, Nathan Baird is going to talk about the speed work Kyle McCord is planning. Nathan, what do you know about that?
2: Right. So I, I had texted this a couple of weeks ago when I was working on that McCord feature about uh, his dad saying that he was probably going to go do some work either over break or maybe after the spring. And Kyle said today that they're going to Texas to work with the guy, Bobby Stroop, who is Patrick Mahomes' trainer. Stroop. And uh, I think he's kind of hoping Patrick Mahomes might also be there, might get to meet Patrick Mahomes. But there's going to be speed work, but it's also throwing work. He says that he's going to be taking some receivers with him and that it could be Marvin Harrison Jr., could be Xavier Johnson, could be Reese Stocksdale. They're, they're trying to figure out exactly who's going to go on that trip. That is a, an interesting group of receivers right there, uh, kind of from top to bottom along the roster. But um, but part of it will be speed work. And, and he told me, I had heard that, McCord ran the fastest time among the quarterbacks this winter. And he told me today he ran 20.5 miles per hour. I, I I only put that out in a vacuum. I didn't have time to go look up like what that means historically. He wouldn't confirm to me that that was the fastest in the room, but I would, I would caution people that think that there is maybe a massive difference in just the general mobility of these two guys. I don't think that's necessarily a, a huge gap there. I think it's more about it could be about play style though. And that's at the end of the day, what's actually more important here. When you make the decision to run, how you make the decision to run and how you decide to run in order to throw those sorts of things are really more important than what your top end speed is anyway.
3: Okay. So we promised you Tate Martell talk and here it is. So Devin Brown, uh, Steven, maybe you has, has Tate Martell come up in Devin Brown conversations in his <laughs> recruitment, or all along the way, or was this new to you that Devin Brown has like had? Not that he knows him, he said he went to Tate Martell's camps when he was growing up. Like, is that news? Any Tate Martell Devin Brown associations? Is that new to you, or were you aware of that previously?
1: I don't know if I would call them Tate Martell camps because he's not that much younger than Tate Martell. He had been the I know he had been a Bishop Gorman. For a couple of camps, so that's probably what he's referring to. Um, but also, I well, mean, you, he was a high. You school. don't have to call him Tate
3: Martel camps. Devin Brown called him. Yeah, Tate but if, camps. He's,
1: if he's if he's calling I'm him, just camp, telling you what's Tate, up. Yeah, I, I know. If he's going to call him Tate Martel camps, I'm going to ride with it. Then that's. But I, I did. I wasn't aware he had been the Bishop Gorman a couple of times for some camps.
3: Okay, so he says Tate Martell camps, yeah. and he's talking like a normal human. And Devin Brown says, you know, I went to some Tate Martel camps and I went, whoa! No. Tate Martell? That is a magic name around here. Dead silence from the rest of the beat. Like the rest of the beat wasn't a wash in Tate Martell in 2017 and 2018. I was looking around, like, is there nobody in the area who was covering Ohio State during the Tate Martell era? We were doing weekly Tate Martell videos at Cleveland.com even when nothing was happening with him. We did a video about him getting a dog because we knew if we did a Tate Martell video, it was going to get 8,000 views. And everybody was like, oh, that's just Doug being crazy. He's just going crazy about Tate Martell. I was like, it's Tate Martell. I couldn't believe the disrespect for the legacy, the hype legacy of Tate Martell. And I hope there are Buckeye Talk listeners right now nodding along. Oh, yeah. That was Doug respecting, not the actual Tate Martell legacy, but Stephen, the Tate Martell hype legacy. And that required me, when a quarterback at Ohio State, five years after Tate Martell (laughs) was gone from here, when that name gets brought up in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center by an Ohio State player, it required me to stop and shout. And I was a little disappointed I was the only one who did it.
1: Tate Martell's hype legacy crawled so Quinn Ewers' hype legacy could run. So Dylan Raiola's hype (laughs) legacy could fly. And Arch Manning's hype legacy could soar. It all starts with Tate Martell. Respect the overhyped quarterbacks that have come through Ohio State's program. And never actually did anything for Ohio State. Oh my
3: God! So anyway, so I was like, oh, and then I said, like, so what do you think happened to Tate Martell? Why didn't it work out here at Ohio State? And he was like, I don't know, I wasn't here. And I was like, I know you weren't here, but do you love Tate Martell or not? And then he was sort of like, old man, will you stop hassling me with the Tate Martell stuff? And then I was like, you brought it up; it's your
2: fault. And
3: then it got weird. But then I did. Tell yeah. Then it got weird. I talked to him about
1: it. It's like the book. It's like when he kept talking about the. It's like last year when we first got him, and everybody kept asking him about the binder. Now it's the Tate Martell talk. Yeah.
3: So so I I I like to say I apologize. I don't apologize. I'll never apologize for getting excited about Tate Martell hype. So that idea, it's like Devin Brown can make, I was like, if you can move around like Tate Martell, but by the way, you're like five inches taller than Tate Martell. So that's where the comparison ends. But if you can scoot a little bit, like that's a good thing. So anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that isolated moment that left me feeling alone inside a giant football workout place. I felt completely alone, but I was comfortable with it because I knew I was doing the right thing. Nathan, anything else about the quarterbacks we need to talk to? There's other offensive stuff I want to get to, but I don't want to be dismissive of anything else important with these guys.
2: Um, You know, I wasn't at uh, the first half of the McCord stuff, so you guys would have that. I mean, I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, for Devin Brown, both of them saying a lot of the right things about how much they like each other and how much that's pushing them to get better. And But, you know, Devin Brown just dropping things in there like, this is the best quarterback job in the country. This is the best job in college football. Um, like, again, it just sort of things that are kind of help laying the stakes of, of what's going to happen here over the next six weeks and, and beyond if, if need be. Yeah. I,
3: I kind of asked Evan Brown, like, what does it mean? What's the Ohio state quarterback job mean to you? And he was like, this is as good as it gets, you know? So like these guys are appreciative of this and, and there shouldn't be a loser here. You know, I, I do think, it, and, and again, I'll, I'll promote my other, the other show, the college football survivor show. Shahan and I did that this week. We did like the six, we drafted the six best spring football quarterback competitions. And it just so happens that the three biggest programs in college football have quarterback competitions this spring, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio state. And then after that, it it really is a drop off because there's a, a lot of places that have pretty established guys, Bo Nix at Oregon, Michael Penix, Jr. at Washington, Jordan Travis at Florida state, Jaden Daniels at LSU, or guys that you kind of know have the job. Keg Nick at Clemson, Drew Aller at Penn state, you know, stuff like that. So This is a really big deal, and I did think in analyzing that, Alabama is Ty Simpson versus Jalen Milrow, very different quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow is just absolutely dynamic running the ball, but does not look as much of a natural thrower as Ty Simpson. I think Ty Simpson actually and Devin Brown aren't completely dissimilar. That also is third-year guy versus a second-year guy. George is all over the place. It's fourth-year guy, third-year guy, and a young guy. Carson Beck is the pocket passer. Brock Vandegrift is – more a guy who can move a little bit i i think ohio state's competition is in the best place of those three programs and i do think that both mccord and brown just maybe have higher floors than a lot of those guys like you you just kind of think this is gonna work i don't know that there's a lot of doubt about that i think it's two good options and so i think it allows you know Kyle McCord and Devin Brown were kind of hanging out after, you know, we were sort of having a conversation about covering the team and how do you, you don't want to put too much on guys, but you want to give them a chance to hang out. And, and I was like reminding, you, it's like, Hey, these guys have been waiting to be the quarterback at Ohio state. And as much as Steven, it can be a burden. It's also pretty cool. So neither Devin Brown nor Kyle McCord were in a hurry to get out. It felt like at least they weren't in a hurry to get out of there. They're kind of like hanging out and talking with guys a little bit afterward because it's like, hey, man, this has been CJ's world for two years. Nobody cared about me. And now people care a lot about me. And I thought, I think they can both absorb that and enjoy that. Devin Brown was saying stuff like, hey, man, it's not like we're dividing up the receivers and trying to get these receivers like Devin and these receivers like Kyle. Devin was saying like he and, Kyle would text each other and be like, hey, should we go throw? Let's get all the receivers together. They're working in concert here, Steve, and They're not dividing the team. This competition is not going to divide the team. And I think it's because there are a lot of things within the structure of Ohio State and this offense, Marvin Harrison Jr., that are in place – that they don't have to be superhuman. And I think they're going to wind up with a good quarterback. And I just think George and Alabama, by comparison, aren't in a bad spot, but maybe aren't in as comfortable a spot, Stephen, as
1: Ohio State is. Just to point out, I think it's Ohio State and Alabama have put themselves on the same quarterback cycles. Very interestingly here. It's because, you know, two years ago, they were both breaking in a new starting quarterback when it was Bryce Young and either CJ Style, Jack Miller or Kyle McCord. And here we are again. They're kind of doing the same thing. It's, you know, Kyle McCord, uh, Devin Brown thing happening here while down there, Milrow and Ty Simpson down there in Alabama and Clemson too. They just don't have a battle this time around because Kate Clubney kind of took over at the end of the year there. Once it was clear that, uh, DJ wasn't coming back. Uh, quarterbacks a weird position, man, because your teammates, And so obviously Kyle McCord and and Devin Brown are rooting for each other, but there is some idea with quarterback is I want you to be the best version of yourself. You can be as long as the best version of what you are, isn't better than the best version that I am. Cause that means I'm not playing, but so off the field, they're very good friends. I mean, they spend a lot of time around each other. They're in the quarterback room together. And it was the same way with CJ Stroud was here when Jack Miller was here. It's why Cardell Jones, JT Barrett, and, and, and Braxton Miller were like best friends and they were doing commercials together. It's just weird because there's two and a half hours a day when you're at practice that you kind of are mortal enemies, because if you're playing, that means I'm not playing. But I do think that the weapons, I think you're right. Once again, they don't have to be Superman because the weapons around them are what they are. But also the, the thing with them hanging out right now, they're in the sweet spot where everybody does love them because they haven't done anything wrong yet. Just like, I mean, CJ Stroud was here up until he played the Minnesota game. And then all of a sudden, it's like, eh, we're not sure if this guy's the guy. So it's, 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 they're in that spot CJ was in last spring after the student appreciation day when everybody's hanging around because they want a chance to just take a picture or get his autograph. I'm pretty sure it'll be the same thing this time around when they let all these students in. Everyone's going to want Kyle McCord and Devin Brown's autograph and have pictures with them together and always want to speak to them because it's the sweet spot. Let's see what happens when they play Indiana if they throw a pick in the first quarter. I do think in the end, C.J. Stroud might have had the most.
3: We're not sure if he's the guy comments for someone who might be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's like a reminder of like, you (laughs) know who thinks he's good? The, The NFL does. So, Okay, let's move on from quarterback. Let's dip. Let's do a little Marvin dip for a second here because it reminded me of something. So there's a lot of stuff that's meaningless in spring football to me, who's catching punts and meaningless is meaningless in spring football. Marvin Harrison was catching a punt. It was literally the first thing that got asked about. It. I was like, I couldn't care less about this. First of all, I gotta do his fair catch it anyway. He's not going to be the punt returner. He might be the number one pick of the draft next year. He's not going to be the punt returner, but it led Ryan day, Nathan into a discussion of, Hey, we don't just want to do the same old thing. We want to find ways to get Marvin the ball and make sure we can get him the ball. It was very clear. I had had multiple conversations with people last year after Jackson went out, how much they had planned for Jackson. Not that it was a secret. And Steven, like you kept saying, like, Hey, see that Xavier Johnson play. That's a Jackson Smith and Jigba play. We saw it, but we only saw a scooch of what it would have been. Nathan, Mm -hmm. the way Ryan day talked about Marvin Harrison jr. On Tuesday made me think (laughs) if they just put him out at X and say, go out, He's going to be double covered every play. They're going to find ways to move him around. I thought there were like a little couple. He was like in the slot at times, like on on Tuesday, just a little bit here and there. Like Nathan Marvin is going to be all over the place. And I think Ryan day, the doodler, he's going to be doodling up some Marvin Harrison jr. Plans because he's going to be offensive enemy. Number one for every defense in the country. And they can't sit back on their heels and just expect him to be great. They're going to have to help him by moving him around so defenses don't know where he's going to be. And I, I that Ryan Day immediately went there on Tuesday. He's not going to be the punt returner, but then he went there. I was like, okay, they're ready for this.
2: Yeah, and and not that this is really that important of a thing, um, because but you also this spring get to do that, get to do that experimentation. And I think it's more than experimentation, as you're saying. I think it is. It's going to be the approach probably when we get to the fall too. But right now you're 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 starting slot and you're starting the Z receiver out anyway. So you get to kind of move him around. You're moving those other younger receivers in anyway to get them a lot of reps and still keeping him in the mix with these two new quarterbacks, by the way, who want to play with Marvin Harrison Jr. and start developing their own rapport with Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's it's almost like a perfect scenario for that. You'd want to be moving him around almost anyway, probably. And now you get to do that and and while also building this connection with these quarterbacks and while also mixing these guys in. Uh, but it makes perfect sense for all the football things you're talking about. And, uh, you know, I, I we were talking about this, I think, the other day, or maybe it was on another pod I was talking about with Jackson Smith and Jigba, where I think they have always said maybe that could have been the plan with him. That even though he's probably a slot in the NFL, he's somebody that could have moved around more uh, at Ohio State. We just never got to see that third year. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably... It's going to happen more. Now, do they say these things a lot and then they don't come to fruition? I mean, it it has happened before. But I think we saw that even with Garrett Wilson, that they're willing to do it to to some extent at least.
1: I thought they'd kind of done a little bit of it, small little – portions little niblets of it last year when they would use him in jet sweeps because I remember back in the spring when we saw oh it's not just Jackson Smith the Jigma doing this jet sweep drill Marvin Harrison is in there with the slots doing it and then they were using him in that I think sometimes the bowl game can tell you what might be on the table for a player the next year. Because when did we really start seeing them get creative with Jackson Smith the Jigba in that Rose Bowl? They were kind of getting creative with Marvin Harrison Jr. in that Georgia game when they were bringing him in motion a little bit. It wasn't just like, go be an extra receiver, go out and get open. They were doing some stuff to be creative with him. I think that stuff is on the table. But I think another part of it that helps, even if he's not full go this spring, is he's not the only dude coming back even though he is the dude of dudes last year. It was because it's kind of the same scenario since the Mecca is not playing where it's, you know, Marvin Harrison has this connection with Kyle McCord already from high school, just like CJ Stroud already had this connection with Jackson Smith, the Jigba already because they had played together before, but because they have two guys that teams have to kind of key in on, you can maybe get a little bit more creative with an ex receiver because you can also get just that creative with a Mecca in a whole different way. So the fact that there's two Legitimate dudes, thousand yard receivers coming back. That's more that they have to maybe play with as as an offensive coaching staff. And more important, I think another thing is your best player is a wide receiver in a year where the guy who's potentially taking over as a play caller is your wide receivers coach.
3: Yeah, that doesn't matter to me. He's calling Ryan Day's plays. I I don't. Ryan Hartline's going to call the plays, but it's going to be Ryan Day's offense. I, I don't think that. I don't know how more. Like, how more receiver-friendly can this Ohio State offense get, though, right? Like what yeah. I don't know what they – so anyway, um, by the way, I thought you were – Nathan, you were a bit dismissive of Reed Stocksdale going to Texas potentially because you were like, oh, it's from the top of the receiver group to the bottom. Reed Stocksdale on alert for the Xavier Johnson of this year because they have so many young receivers. Reed Stocksdale was kind of running with the twos a little bit, and I can remember last spring when Brian Hartline was like, I have – I can't remember, was it seven? He's like, I have seven receivers I trust. And he threw Xavier Johnson in there. And I was like, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. And then it was like, oh, Xavier Johnson, who is catching touchdowns in the first game and the last game. That guy, Xavier Johnson, one of the 10 best football players on this team. I'm on Reed Stocksdale alert. Just from watching stuff. So let's finish receivers and let's finish with something that Steven has talked about a lot. And Nathan, you talked about it on the preview pod of like guys to watch in, in camp. And I was like, I don't care about young receivers. And you were like, well, it might matter for the future. And then Ryan day basically laid it down of, yeah, we have a bunch of second year receivers. And by the way, the first year receivers are right on their heels. They better go. And I thought that was, that's a paraphrase, Nathan. I don't think it's, might be ten percent more aggressive than Ryan Day was, but for the first day of spring practice, I thought it was a message. And three of the four freshman receivers are here, all but Brandon Innes, Bryson Rogers, Noah Rogers, Carnell Tate are all here. And then Caleb Burton, Kojo Antwi, Caleb Brown, and Keon Gray's are the four guys who are the second year guys ahead of them. That is a lot of young guys, Nathan, who have never done anything. Now, we know who's going to play. We know who the top three are, and Jaden Ballard's four, and or, Xavier Johnson and Jaden Ballard are four and five. So the top five spots are taken care of. But I, for didn't you th- did not you think that, Nathan, that Ryan Day laid it down a little bit? Like, it's on for yeah. these seven young guys who are here right now. And by the way, Brandon Ennis, as Steven has said many times, might be the best of them, and he's coming in June.
2: Right. Uh, and we should also mention here, Caleb Burton, Devin Brown said that he got hurt. Today in practice, we don't know the extent mm-hmm. of that. Something we'll have an eye on. I, I wasn't going to mention week.
3: it because I think I think Devin Brown's going to get in trouble for saying that. So we, I was yeah. going to like mm-hmm. give him a break on the podcast, but apparently you guys aren't.
2: Well, we already texted <laughs> it, so it's, it's already I know out the there.
3: texts are secret. The texts, no, it's no. The texts are a secret club that people pay for. So sometimes, saying, well, then maybe we should secret. tell
2: people. Okay, well, okay, go back and, and take out what I said, and we'll just replace it and with three. No, I'm not taking it out.
3: Do <laughs> we got to get this podcast up? No editing today.
2: Too late. Sorry, Devin. My point in the long run being, though, listen, in, in many springs, in a normal spring, if Julian Fleming and, and Emeka Ibuka were here, then maybe these guys wouldn't be getting these reps as they are. But, like, this spring, there is, like, no excuse. Like, you're going to get a ton of reps. You're going to be on the field. You're going to be getting reps with the ones a lot. So what do you show us? And, and you know, it was a thing that Jim Knowles kept talking about, too, with defensive players, the young defensive players. It's like, you year-two guy. Like, there's supposed to be a jump there. What do you show us? And I think that applies to the receivers, too. Like, you don't have to get on the field right away to still have made a big impression. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., these guys were turning heads when they were freshmen, even though they didn't play a lot. They weren't first-string receivers, or in some cases, even almost like second-string receivers at times on, on those teams. But They've got to start making that move now because there's going to be a mass exodus of talent out of this program at the end of the 2023 season. uh, And somebody's got to take those places. And like, uh, more to the point, these guys who just got here are not far behind.
3: Steven, do you want to – I mean, like Ryan Day basically said the thing that you've been saying for a while. So did you just nod and say, yep?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, people would tell you these things but they've never necessarily said it like on the record up on a press conference, I think, but Heartline has maybe alluded to it in the, you know, the work ethic and got to, you know, make a move. This is your opportunity. Guys are coming along a little slower. Everybody's on different paths. This was the first time where he said it nicely, but I do think his tone and the way he's probably saying it to them was a lot closer to the way Doug, you said it to start off this entire conversation because and some of this is listen, they lost Jackson Smith, to Jigba, and Julian Fleming was out the first two weeks of the season. Julian Fleming's not going to magically turn into the most you know healthy guy in the world. He's if he misses a game next year, I don't because uh, he gets abducted by aliens by a week that won't be shocking. You know, guys got banged up. and Mecca Buka was banged up at times last year, and as as we've been very complimentary of what Xavier Johnson has become here, but that shouldn't be where you have to rely. You probably should be looking at a true freshman in that wide receiver room by the time you get to the end of the season and going, you should be ready to do something. And that didn't happen last year. And so now you've got four more talented guys coming here, and it's basically the message is you better step up because if you're not, these guys are for sure going to step up and you're going to get passed up. And we haven't really seen that in the wide receiver room yet.
3: Okay. Good on receivers. Let's talk about Jelani Thurman because I've been holding myself back this long to to talk about (laughs) Jelani Thurman. Because so, a, 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 and you learn things when you're young. And I was on an internship in college at the Roanoke Times and World News in Roanoke, Virginia, where I ate the Pizza Hut buffet every day for lunch and then like didn't eat for the rest of the day. And I lived with like a 35-year-old man who had been in the army who yelled at me for leaving my hair in the in the shower, like in the drain, that my hair was on the drain cover. And I was like, I'm 19. Is that a thing? And And he said, I don't want to shower in your dirt. And I was like, you were in the Army. Please don't hurt me. And then I would go home and watch NYPD Blue. But while I was there, the first season with David Crusoe before he left, and then it wasn't as good. Although I do like Jimmy Smith's. So I'm there, and I go cover a high school football game on this internship. And like in the lead paragraph of my eight-inch game story, 175-word game story when I come back, I compare a high school running back in the mountains of Virginia to Barry Sanders. And the sports editor is like, you're an idiot. Let's not do that. <laughs> and I was like, well, he did a jump cut. He must be the greatest running back of all time. He was like, it's a high school game. Could you just relax, you maniac? So I haven't learned anything, and I'm going to now do that with Jelani Thurman. So <laughs> Jelani Thurman is the freshman tight end for Ohio State. And I said I did this twice. This is my check of myself. I did this twice on Tuesday. I looked at a guy and I went, huh? And then I had to look at my roster to be like, who's that? And one of the guys I did it was with Jelani Thurman, who wears number 15, which is a pretty cool tight end number, by the way. He's listed, Nathan, at 6'6 and 253. He just looks different than any Ohio State tight end I have ever seen. And because it is fresh in our mind, Because they just played in a semifinal, because the guy just tore up the combine, where Darnell Washington of Georgia measured at six six and five eighths and 264 pounds, and Jelani Thurman is listed as five eighths of an inch shorter, and right now, as a freshman on the first day of practice, 11 pounds lighter. I look at Jelani Thurman and I think, huh. I wonder if that could be Ohio State's version of Darnell Washington. Now, Darnell Washington was Georgia's second best tight end this year, but he is a guy who is unlike anybody else. And Jelani Thurman, he carries weight. You can see it. He has almost got like a little, you know, you can tell he's not a beanpole. But while he's moving around, you can see him carrying the weight. He's moving like he moves. He's fluid and he is big. And I asked Brian Day about him, Nathan, and he said he's got all the tools, but there's going to be the way people talked. And Steven, you watch the defense. I'm teasing for Wednesday. I think there were maybe three or four guys on the field for Ohio State on Tuesday, Nathan, who athletically were Georgia kind of players. And I don't even know if I have to explain that because Ohio State's had a lot of those guys over the years, right? What do you think Chase Young is? What do you think Ryan Shazier is? What do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is? A guy where you look at the guy and it makes you look at your roster sheet. But I think maybe they could use a couple more of those guys. And there's two guys I have in my head on defense that I want to talk about on the Wednesday pod. But offensively, I got very excited seeing Jelani Thurman move. Cade Stover's the veteran tight end. No offense to the other guys. There's a bunch of guys in between who are older. And then there's Jelani Thurman. I don't know, Nathan. I got, mm, like, okay, we talk about what could be something, right? Ted Ginn Jr., nobody's like him. Braxton Miller, nobody's like him. I'm I'm already thinking about what Jelani Thurman in two or three years might be. Because Ryan Day's whole thing was like, well, takes a lot of reps. Tight end's tough. You're basically playing two positions at once. It's going to take a lot of reps. But he's got all the tools man, it's fun to go out on the first day of spring practice and see some tools.
2: And it's just one of those projection things, too. When you start looking at who's going to be a big part of this team in 2024, 2025, you can already see that future for him. And listen, like, Washington didn't show up to Georgia as what he was at the combine the other night where he's pushing a sled and making it look like he's just pushing an empty cardboard box when the other most powerful tight ends in the country are struggling to push that same sled. He built into that too. Like some of what you're seeing from Thurman right now is kind of, you know, natural uh, body that he comes in with. And what does he become after three years in the Mickey Marathi program? And what does he look like when we're talking about this in spring 2025? That's the really enticing thing. What is, what's the top end of, of some of these guys?
3: Steven, you were nodding. Don't say the defensive guys. Cause got to get people to listen to the Wednesday podcast. Yeah, but do you know what I'm saying, Steven, when I say like these Georgia kind of guys who just looked the part,
1: They look really good in pads, really, really good in pads. And they passed the eye test because I I saw Jelani Thurman, too, because there was a point when you drop the ball or you fumble the ball, you have to run a lap. That's the ball security stuff. And so Noah Rogers runs by. I'm like, oh, that's Noah Rogers. That looks like the guy that you, you know, the profile I thought it was going to be cool. He looks, you know, he's decent. He looks like a pretty decent wide receiver. And then this big behemoth of a thing comes running by my face. And I I'm going where I'm going, and so I don't really peep it at first. But then I do a double take. I'm like, what was that? Not who is that? What was that? It's like 15. First of all, why is a tight end wearing 15? That's awesome. But yeah, he looks like a sophomore in college. And his tape. I mean, he's a he can, he's a heck of an athlete and a heck of a, a ball catcher. So it's it's when you're talking about the development, it's can he learn how to block very quickly here, even if it takes him a year. But I looked at him today. And I think about some of the guys in Ohio State's future who also might be Georgia players, Since we'll stick on the offensive side here. I think about a guy like Jeremiah Smith, who is Marvin Harrison times 10, except he just doesn't have the Hall of Fame uh, father to go along with that. But he's the physical presence is all there. I think about an offense where 2026, you've got Jeremiah Smith and Jelani Thurman as whoever this quarterback is weapons, and that's a problem. For whoever teams, whatever team they're going up against. Because those are two, to your point, Georgia players where you get them in pads and everyone's going, that's not normal.
3: And and by the way, Nathan, as we talked about on the combine stuff, it's like Dewan Jones, Zach Harrison, and Paris Johnson had yeah. as long of a wingspan as anybody at the combine. It's not like Ohio State doesn't have these guys. So it's not it's not to downgrade anybody. I mean, we, we all know what the what the rare Ohio State guys look like, but I just I couldn't take my eyes off Jelani Thurman. Running backs, no J- Trayvon Henderson, no Evan Pryor. So it was Mayan Williams up first, Chip Tran up second, Dallin Hayden up third, although Nathan Ryan Day told a funny story about Trayvon Henderson.
2: Yeah, so Trayvon Henderson was out there for warmups. We kind of assumed that Trayvon Henderson would be completely out of things and who knows, maybe still using that, that little walker or whatever it was that he had in Atlanta to get around with, although it's been a few months, so hopefully not. But he was there, like, trying to participate, and the way Ryan Day told that they were doing mat drills, and Trevion Henderson is trying to jump in there with his boot on and do mat drills, and uh, they had to basically, like, pull him out and have had to work to, like, keep him out of things, which I think is great news for Ohio State, great news for Trevion Henderson that, you know— he, Guys who know they have probably one year left, or at least that's been the plan all along, there probably is some urgency to get back out there. And especially for him, I know that he knows all the things that were said about him last year, um, whether it was uh, criticisms of of his vision, whether it was people questioning uh, his toughness, all those sorts of things. I think he's a guy who very much wants to get back on the field at full strength and show people that, uh, shut some people up. So even though some of those were valid criticisms, I think. So I think um, it's uh, Ohio State is looking at it and saying, we agree, but you got to be healthy first. So uh, the way Ryan Day said, that, even though you saw him out there doing warmups, sounds unlikely that he'll actually be participating in things by the end of the spring. But obviously, it sounds like a very good trajectory to have him back for the, the offseason.
3: And the reason that hit my ears as, OK, that means something is because I, I, Trey was in a tough spot. Last year, I think I think, like you said, we, I think we all know he heard it. I don't think he liked it, and so for him to be that enthusiastic and that he's not off by himself rehabbing on his own, right? That 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 enthusiasm for the coaches to convey for a guy who I think who had a tough year physically and emotionally and mentally, I think that really. Oh, he's he's locked in. He's diving in mat Okay. I think that matters. Okay, but there's not much more to say about running back. Everybody looked good. Mayan Williams looked smooth. Dallin Hayden looked smooth. Chip Traynham looked smooth. We can talk about Chip Traynham again on the defensive podcast because there was a thing that was said that I was like, "Uh?" and if I would have had a chance to get one more question in, I would have asked it. Come back Wednesday and listen to that. Next, Offensive Line on Buckeye Talk. Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, 614 350 3315. That's how you get to be a tech subscriber. Two week free trial. You know, also get two weeks to do it. Spring practice. Now, so if you want to wait, if you don't want to pay three ninety nine dollars a month, and that's not nothing, if you don't want to pay three ninety nine dollars a month, we're going to have a second practice on Thursday where we're going to be in watching practice again, then talking to Brian Hartline, talking to receivers, and talking to linebackers. Then they're going to be on spring break for a week. We're not going to have anything. And then we're going to come back, and then it's going to be go time again. So I don't know when we'll be able to watch again. We're going to have lots of interviews, though, again, right? So if you don't want to wait now, then, ah, oh, spring break, I'm not going to get as much. You could wait till after spring break and then get two good weeks, or right? You could wait till April. I don't know. I'm just trying to get you guys the free stuff, right? We care about you. 614-350-3315. Okay, offensive line. I made sure I watched offensive line. Here's the starting offensive line, left to right. Left tackle, Josh Fryer. Left guard, Donovan Jackson. Center, Carson Hinsman. Right guard, Matthew Jones. Right tackle, Zan Mahalski. Second team, left tackle George Fitzpatrick, left guard Ben Crisman, center Vic Cutler. That's the transfers from from Louisiana Monroe. Right guard Enoch Vamahe and right tackle Tegra Shabola. Nathan, that's a lot of ears. It's a lot of names hitting ears that people are like, who? (laughs) Which is just what this situation. That's a lot of ears. That's like, let me count that up. that's, That's like 20 ears. I
2: think that's the exact number of ears that were supposed to be there. What if I said? What if I said that's nineteen ears? And it was like, oh my god, they have a one-eared offensive lineman.
3: Like what a Carson, story that
2: would be. People don't know. Or what Carson if I Hinsman. said
3: that's twenty-one ears?
2: Like, yeah, people don't know. Carson Hinsman has a uh, third ear. It's actually giving him the. it's yeah. giving him the edge in the center competition because he can more easily hear what the defense is doing and make his calls yeah. off of that. Um, no, it's exactly the right old, number. Good old, but good but, old
3: three years Hinsman.
2: Yeah, but, but, but unknowns, right, Nathan? Correct. And uh, you know, I feel like this has kind of been the crux of the conversation we've been having about the offensive line for a while. It's like, hey, they're going to put Josh Fryer at left tackle and maybe that's not ideal. That's not what they plan to do. And now they're talking about between a second year guy and a lower rated developmental guy and a transfer who didn't like blow the world away where he was before as the starting center. And like, you can kind of go down the list, but be like, but this is what it is. This is what they have there. They don't have a ton of options. And that's why you're seeing um, a lot of uh, name, hearing a lot of names that you haven't heard consistently before. Um, There seems to be a decent amount of confidence in Josh Fryer being able to step in and hold down left tackle. I think it would be a surprise if he played it at a Paris Johnson junior level. Um, I think even maybe a Thayer Munford level, but it doesn't mean he can't be uh, a productive oh, player. It would
3: it? Would be a surprise if Josh Fryer was as good as the guy who's going to be like the eighth pick in the draft?
2: Bold, you heard it here
3: first. You heard. No, here first.
2: You heard it here first. You uh, heard it here first. And 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 I don't care who knows it. And uh, uh, but I think, <laughs> 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 but I think they 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 they're reasonably certain there. And I thought that was interesting that Ryan Day today also talked about like that was some finality that like, cause we talked going back to the end of last season, both tackle spots are up for grabs. Right. And Josh Fryer, we thought maybe was the right tackle because that's where he had gotten a little bit more experience, but there's definitely more finality now to the thought that no, he is this team's left tackle, unless something weird happens this spring and the battles at right tackle. And uh, it's an interesting one because you've got a third year guy um who, they always thought of as like maybe a, a, a project with some upside and a second year guy who is huge and that they thought was was probably going to be more a second year guy who could maybe push for something and that's what's playing out in and, and Zim Maholski. So Fryer at left tackle,
3: I would say I think it is worth keeping your eye on George Fitzpatrick, who was the second team left tackle on Tuesday. Uh Fryer's bigger and sometimes I will say sometimes like under Light offensive linemen can look really good because they look like lifeguards. And then like the bigger offensive line is like, oh, that guy's it's like, well, no, you're supposed to be big. So Josh Fryer is listed at six six three twenty. George Fitzpatrick is listed at six six three oh five. George Fitzpatrick looks good in pets. So like oh. I think, you know, he's got a ways to come, but I think I don't know. I'm not writing Josh Fryer. I'm not chiseling it in rock yet. So keep an eye on George Fitzpatrick. Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones at guard. Carson Hinsman at center. So the guards are returning starters and Carson Hinsman is like the guy that all the coaches keep talking about. I don't know what would change any of that. And then there's one more guy that I thought looked good in pads on the offensive line. We'll talk about that in a second, but right tackle, Steven, I, I really wanted to ask about that. I think it is the, certainly on offense it's the biggest position battle. Hmm. And it, I'd it, say mm. it's like a quarterback. The, <laughs> yeah. the guy they're protecting what is pretty mean, important. What too. about, uh, yeah. Well, I thought I thought. Uh, I thought uh, what's that guy's name? For the twenty four year old seventh year guy from Oregon State. He doesn't have it locked down. He was a recruited twenty seventeen. He's his as old as Stetson, <laughs> Bennett. So Stetson Bennett, yeah,
2: two time national champion Stetson Bennett.
1: Do, I can't do, believe they're letting people. I want to hear your
2: Tristan, your Tristan. Give me your Tristan Gebbia impression right now.
3: I know. I really got to work on it because I mean, he seems like such a nice guy. He's he was like at Nebraska and then he was at Oregon State. Like, what is a guy? Who was at Oregon State for two years? Sound like I don't know. Like,
1: <laughs> hey man, <I> mean, <laughs> just here to hang out with Devin Brown. You know, it, me and Devin it go it help- way back. If it helps you, oh, he's from Calabas. He, he's from Calabasas, so you can throw that in Calabasas. there too. Yeah, it's in California. So for all the all right, So it's left. the
3: second biggest. It's a, it's <laughs> the second biggest position battle behind quarterback. Um, but it's head to head, Stephen, and I do feel like that right tackle, and, and I wanted to ask Ryan Day about it. Like you got one question we were trying to do in writing round, and I couldn't help myself. I had to ask about Jelani Thurman first. But then at the end, Jerry Emig was like, Hey, we were a little we went quick. Anybody else? So it's like, oh, I had my second one because I really wanted to ask about the right tackle battle in particular. And Stephen, he made a good point. Tegra Shibola was on the right side last year, but he was a guard. Mm -hmm. And Zed Mahalski was a tackle last year, but he was a left tackle. So we now have a guy who played left tackle and a guy who played right guard battling at right tackle, neither of whom have played very many snaps. And like, it's not on yet at right tackle yet, Stephen because they're just making sure they're getting lined up right and their stances are comfortable. It's going to take a while, I think, the way Ryan Day talked about it, for that battle to really form.
1: Yeah, I think this is something you probably revisit when we get to fall camp because right now both of these guys are just trying to learn different footwork. One's trying to learn how to plan space in a way he hasn't done since high school. I mean, he's a mountain, so playing in high school is not that hard for him. And the other one's trying to learn left side and flip it over to the right side. But Josh Fryer is kind of doing the same thing, though. He's been a right side guy for most of his career, whether it was interior, out to or on a tackle and now he's trying to flip his footwork so even there it's learning but I think the offensive line that right tackle spot we know who the names are in the battle but I don't think this on your mark gets set go until we get the fall camp and so for right now it's going to be more when we do get Justin Fry hey how's that improvement coming along for both of those guys because neither one of those guys know what they're doing very much and I I, I, I don't know I, I'll push back on the George Fitzpatrick thing a little bit I see where you're coming from but it's you know they got asked about tackles and Fitzpatrick was the one name that didn't come up. He he went out of his way to name the other three guys. It's not like somebody said, Hey, what's Zen and Tegra and, and Josh Fryer doing? He just got asked about tackles and he just distinguishedly started with those three guys. He didn't even mention Luke Montgomery, which. So
3: I, I do want to ask this question. So Nathan, we, right couple years ago we thought we had a thing and then like in August they were like, hey, wait, Dewan Jones is a right tackle now and Matthew Jones isn't gonna start and everybody's moving around and Thayer Munford's a guard. It was like, what? How alert how on alert for we are we for okay, at the moment, if we think Fryer, Donovan Jackson, Hinsman, Matthew Jones, and this two man battle at right tackle. That feels like what it's gonna be. What should be our level of alert for nope? August monkey wrench some guy made a move some guy didn't quite cut it and all of a sudden maybe guys are shifting around maybe Matthew Jones is moving to center maybe Josh Fryer is moving to guard maybe all of a sudden somebody's moving right does that feel I don't know Nathan anything is always possible but we saw it we've seen it the reason we're talking about is because we've seen it happen before how real is that possibility now Nathan
2: I mean, just for me personally, in order to cover it for the people who are listening to this, I look at it as fluid other than those two guard spots still like give updates on who's who we're seeing, but no reason to hammer anything down with, with any finality yet. Certainly at this stage of the spring, and like you're saying, maybe not even at the end because of I was thinking about that as you guys were talking about, I, I that thought came into my head that we were like oh, 10 days into preseason camp in 2021 and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you guys remember Dewan Jones? Well, he's starting now and here we go. And uh, the rest is history. By the way, George Fitzpatrick, uh, that 305 is up 20 pounds from what he was listed at last year. Mm-hmm. So you, that's a guy, you know, making a move to solidify himself as a tackle. And DeJuan Jones, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Donovan Jackson, DeJuan Jones could stand to lose 20 pounds probably. Uh, Donovan Jackson, they have him down, or they have him at 320 up from 300 where he was last year. So like that whole offensive line kind of beefing up where it can. There were several other yeah, guys. I might too. take
1: that a step. I might take that even a step further because the whole thing with Dewan Jones is I mean, if we'd asked Ryan Day about his tackle situation, uh, he we probably would have been said, hey, is Paris pushing for the left tackle job? And he probably would have said something in the lines, well, Theron Mumford's back and Nicholas Petit Frere showed some things as a right tackle. So those are just going to be our two tackles. And then Theron Mumford's a guard when we get to the fall. So I get it. Matthew Jones and Dewan and. Donovan Jackson are your returning starters on the offensive line. So you keep them where you're at right now. I'll keep my ears perked for what if Tegra Shibola is a better guard than Carson Hensman is a center. And so you put Tegra back and, and Zen Maholsky shows you enough that you're confident in him as your right tackle. And so instead of Carson Hensman being your center, because they're all second year guys, you just slide Matthew Jones over to center and Teg Shabola goes back to right guard and Zen Maholski's your right tackle. Or let's really have some fun with this. They say, you know what? We can't, we can't do this. Just put Donovan Jackson at left tackle and we'll figure it out from there. I'm open to all of this because it is so fluid and because your only two returners are guards who one's got some upside there to which you can play him all over the line. And the other one's proven he can play center because that's what he came here as and has been your backup center the past couple of years here, regardless of what a death chart said to you.
2: Yeah, I, I think that center is a good point. I, I'm 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 skeptical of the Jackson thing. I think they just see him as too valuable a guard. But when mm-hmm. Ryan Day, we were talking to him on February 1st, and he was kind of breaking this all down for us, said, we're leaving those two guys at guards, and we're going to go find a center. I, I think that's a paraphrase, but that's more or less what he said. But... What if they don't find one? What if they don't think they find a Big Ten center this right. spring between these guys that are options? And Jacob James isn't available, the guy who was the backup. He's the more developmental guy that I was talking about before that we haven't mentioned yet. So it's, I think that Matt Jones thing at center can't be completely off the table because he could make that transition, I think, pretty quickly. But I also think they maybe don't want to mess around too much there because you've got a starting quarterback that you'd like to get on the same table as your center as early as possible.
3: But also the way Justin Fry talked about Carson Hinsman on February first, I thought was like, "Oh no, this guy's already mm. made his move, right?" I we don't, I I I am not dismissive of that at all. That I think like Carson Hensman laid something down in bowl practice and off season workouts to say, "You're looking for a center? I'm I'm your guy." So I'm. I am operating, I mean, you can't lock Hinsman into the same level you would lock in two returning starters like Jackson and Jones, but I am operating under the assumption that Carson Hinsman is going to be the center unless something goes a little goofy. Um, I will say the other guy that when I looked at my roster, when I looked, I I saw a guy and I was like, who's that? And I had to look at my roster. One was Jelani Thurman. The other was Miles Walker, who's the low-rated offensive lineman, who's a true freshman, who is the guy who, like, was getting Dartmouth offers and then went bazonkers. He's from Connecticut. He ended up as in the 247 composite as a number 498 player in this class. Just like George Fitzpatrick, you were saying, Nathan, he went from 285 to 305. Miles Walker right now is listed at 285, which is just not big enough to be an offensive lineman in the Big Ten. But man, he looks the part. Like he carries it well and you look at him and say, OK, no, that's a guy. He can get to 315, I think, without much trouble. And he just looks really athletic walking around right now. So again, I sometimes, you know, I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, what, the Dartmouth guy? And then sometimes I'm like, diamond in the rough, Dewan Jones. Give me the guy in the 500s who came out of nowhere. That all of a sudden he went from Dartmouth to Duke to Penn State to Ohio State. Late riser, maybe you really got something there. You put some weight on this guy. He might be a really good tackle. I just like the way he walked around. And I reinforce, I remind myself of this. Again, I've told this story a hundred times on this podcast. There was a day on the first day, it was a fall practice though. One time on the first day of fall practice, I looked at Joe Burrow and I said, that guy stands like Tom Brady. And it was like two years before he left. I didn't say he, I just like a little bit of a hair flip at the back of his helmet and the way he stood, he stood like Tom Brady. And then three years later, I was at the combine walking with Joe Burrow and asking if he thinks he's going to be the next Tom Brady. So anyway, Miles Walker might be the next, I don't know, something. But Jelani Thurman is definitely the next Darnell Washington. I am not shying away from that at all. Okay. Uh Steven, anything else on the offensive side of the ball? I know you mostly watch defense. We'll get a lot into that on the Wednesday pod. Anything else offense you want to talk about?
1: No, I think I think we about hit it all. I don't I don't think there's more out there. Nathan, anything?
2: Think we think we deal with most of the things. I'm glad we I'm I was worried that you okay. were going to completely leave off the Tate and Martell. And I'm I'm glad we got that in there.
3: No, 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 no. I don't. Yeah. Sometimes I think to myself, what might a football player tell their parents in a phone call about their interaction with the media? And is Devin Brown going to be telling his parents like, yeah, I said the name Tate Martell and this guy screamed (laughs) so weird. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to scare people. That's not what I'm here for. Here to talk football. And it was a great day to do it. So this is our Tuesday pod. Come back on Wednesday. Jim Knowles, Sonny Styles, JT Tui Jack Sawyer, Mitchell Melton, CJ Hicks, Denzel Burke. All that on the Wednesday Buckeye Talk. For now, for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.